Good morning, church family. It's such an honor to be with you once again. Um, this morning we are celebrating what God has done for us, and it's so good to see familiar faces from last year. Uh, I'm joined with my family, my sitting right here in the first row. My little Lucas is in Children's Church, um, and I am so honored to be part of this. Ex I'm a part of your family extended all the way down um, in Long Island. Uh, pay close attention to what's happening up here, and um, your 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 pastor David is just an amazing dude, and he has blessed my life. Um, and you know how many know that he's a good disciple maker. He's a good disciple maker. Uh, but he discipled me to be a Liverpool soccer fan. Uh, that's, what, that's what he's done in my life. Eh? Uh, he's introduced me to, to that, and we talk about that often. Um, and he's been a, a, a mentor to me, and I'm just so honored that, um, that I have this opportunity to love and serve you this morning. Um, it's truly my honor to preach the gospel. And I would love to have a moment of honesty with you uh, today. And because uh, we're talking about this value of mission. Um, and many times when we talk about mission, we usually think about what's in it for us at the end of it. What is our personal goals, our personal dreams, or our definition of success? And, and truth be told, this, there's nothing inherently wrong with those things. Uh, but the moment that we are called into a relationship with Jesus, those personal goals, those dreams, those ideas become secondary to the mission, purpose, and call of God over our lives. Can you say amen? amen. If you respond back and forth to me, I won't be afraid. Don't worry about it, all right? We'll have some fun today. Um, and here at Trinity, uh, the mission is a value for the church. But more important, mission is a value for the Christian. Mission is a value for the church, but more importantly, it's a value for the Christian. And here at this beautiful church, we embrace um, his purpose over our preference. And, and we exist for the mission of God, right? Because we're called to be what? Spiritual uh, contributors, not computers, contributors... If you're a computer today, we'll pray for you. <laughs> Not spiritual consumers. But what if I told you that the mission that God is calling you into to fulfill as individuals and as a church will earn you no applause, no recognition, or success as you know it? What if I told you that the mission of God was less about what happens in the church and more what happens outside the church? What if I told you that the mission is more about everywhere you go? So how can we fulfill this mission of God and, and become spiritual contributors rather than spiritual consumers? I would love for you to open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to consider a couple of verses in Matthew 7, um, 9 through 14. I'm going to try to hang my hat on one verse today. And uh, we're going to read it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, the word of the Lord is read. Verse 9, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. 
how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. 13. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Would you bow your heads and pray with me today? Father, this is your word, O oh Lord, and your word is enough. And so, Father, I pray that as you have ministered to me, O oh Lord, would you minister to your people? Would you just write this word on the walls of their heart? That they would not just consume it, O oh Lord, but that it would activate them, Father God, into mission, O oh Lord. Today, Lord, I pray that I would be forgotten and that you would be remembered. Because today and tomorrow, it's all about you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, amen. amen. Um, the verses we read... Uh, Jesus is concluding one of his most famous sermons. It's the Sermon on the Mount, and he's teaching his listeners uh, what it looks like to live in response to God's saving grace in their lives. The Sermon on the Mount is not just, it does not just lay out expectations or standards. It's not just a guide, but I want you to know it clearly defines how a Christian should live in response to Jesus. As Jesus only can, he masterfully summarizes Matthew 5 and 7 by saying this one simple yet profound statement. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law of the prophets. Today I want to present to you the idea that this one powerful verse is the blueprint to fulfilling the mission of God in your life, in your family, in your community, and here in your church. And before we understand this verse in totality, I must lay down a couple of foundational truths. Number one, I want you to understand that we are not saved by the things that we do. We are not saved by the things that we do. I don't care how many uh, people you help walk across the street. We are not saved by the things we do. Salvation belongs to God alone. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in, in Christ alone. And it's Jesus who calls. It's Jesus who saves. It's, it's Jesus who sustains his saving work in our lives. It is by grace we have been saved, Ephesians 2 tells us. It's not your own doing. It's the gift of God. And we have to lay down this truth because a lot of times we think that the things we do earn us God's favor. Family, you were loved before you did anything. We are not saved by the things we do. But the second foundational truth that I want to tell you today is this. We are not saved by the things we do, but we are saved to do something. <laughs> but we are saved to do something. Can someone say Amen. James 1.17 would tell us, so also by faith itself, if it does not have works, what is it? It's dead. We're not saved by the things we do, but we are saved to do something. If you are part of his kingdom, if you know who Jesus is, your mission is to live accordingly. 
Here, let me give you this distinction, this little nuance. You and I may have different callings and giftings, but everyone in this room, we all have the same mission. And what is that mission? To do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Can someone say amen? amen? If the mission is to do unto others and to accept God's purpose above our preference, then how can we look at this scripture and examine how to fulfill the mission in our everyday lives? The first thing I want you to understand is that we must do unto others. Doing is what? Is activity, not passivity. Doing is activity, not passivity. The call of the mission is to actively give and not withhold. This is why the preamble to verse, uh, verse 12, he says, which one of you, if your sons ask for bread, will give him a stone? Man, we wouldn't do that. We are called to always give. And we know how to give good things. And we know how to give to others. And when we do unto others, it's a call to action, to move, to give to someone else. To be there for someone else. Other philosophies would say something like this. Do not do to your neighbor what is hateful for yourself. Socrates once said, what stirs you to anger when done to you by others, do not do to others. Confucius said, what, do you, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. And where they come from is from the negative, passive perspective. But Jesus' command is greater, above and beyond. His mission, his golden rule is positive and it's active. Because why? What Jesus is saying here is this. We're just not stopping from doing harm to someone. We are also called to do good for someone. The golden rule is a call to action. But not just to any action or any activity. My dear friends, it's a call to gospel activity. Why? Because the gospel activity is a result of a gospel attitude. Gospel activity is a result of a gospel attitude. And let's be very clear. Let's, let's not confuse mission just simply with something we do. When we talk about embracing God's purpose, over our preference, what we are saying is that, yes, mission is a choice, but it must be cultivated into an attitude. I just don't operate in mission because I want to be a nice person. I operate in mission because it's a godly characteristic that is being developed inside of me. I don't do it simply because the pastor said so. I do it. Because someone had did something unto me, and his name was Jesus. When we want to choose God's purpose as we fulfill his mission, it's the transformative work of the Holy Spirit that puts us in a position to lay down our preference as we become a mission-minded people. Not just in our choices, my friends, but in our character. Can you say Amen. It's real easy to serve someone who you know owes you one. I'll help you move because one day I got to move. And then when I text you, right, hey, can you help me move today? And they say no, what do we say? But I helped that person. They owe me one. Let me tell you, the mission is not charity work. 
It's missional work. It's missional living as one body in this community for the name of Jesus, for Jesus to be seen, for, for the life of Jesus to be taught, and the power of Jesus to be experienced. At our church, I challenge my church all the time, and I want to challenge you with this. You are the only Jesus people will meet, and you're the only Bible people will read. What are you reflecting? If we're going to live on mission, it's important that we have this mission very, very clear. And Jesus is not bringing a new idea in this sermon. He's not bringing a new idea in Matthew 7, 12. He's repeating what God already established way back in Leviticus 19. He's repeating what, what, what Mark 12 and Matthew 22 and, and Galatians 5 and, and Romans 13 says, which is what? To love your neighbor as yourself. This is the mission that we're called to. The mission is to embrace what he has said. And we're not just saying that we love others. As a church, what we're saying, we love others and we're ready, willing, and able to demonstrate how much we love others. Family, the mission is both proclamation and it's demonstration. It's very easy to say we love others. But if our proclamation is not matched with our demonstration, our words fall on deaf ears. This is a call to action. Do unto others. It's not passive living. Sitting back on the weekends and sipping a pina colada. It's called to action. But what shall we do unto others? Family, can I tell you, we shall love others. We shall forgive others. We shall encourage others. We shall show mercy to others. We shall speak truth in love to others. We shall point others to Jesus. We shall bear witness of, uh, we shall bear each other's burdens. We shall serve others and we shall think of others above ourselves. And the question we have to ask is this well, who are the others? And it can be defined very differently, but today I want to define it with three places. And I pray that it ministers to you. The first place that we are called to live on mission, my family, my friends, is with our first neighbors at home in our families. What good is it if the world talks great about us, but our own children can't stand us? What good is it if we have loving and giving words here in the church, but we have angry and harsh words at home? Who we are should be ratified by the people we live with. Can you say amen? amen? The second place that we must do unto others is in our community. That includes our church and our neighborhood. We should be fighting for justice and for truth-telling, right? With this, this missional living does not change biblical convictions. But what we learn is that these biblical convictions put us in a place to look at our community in a different way. I come from Huntington Station, Long Island, where 10% of the people live below the poverty line. We work, we work tremendously with our, um, our, our, our homeless friends, and we call them friends. Uh, my children are here. They know that I refer to them as my friends. Um, and because they're our friends, you know what they do? They mosey on on in anytime they can't get there. And no matter how they look, no matter how they smell, no matter how inebriated they are, they're always welcome into the house. 
And we do our very, very best to love them and to keep them. And I don't know much about Clay, but can I tell you that there's a lacrosse family who needs Jesus. There's a sports family who needs Jesus. And we are called to those places. We are called to these schools. We are called to see our community through a place of need. There's physical need. There's spiritual need. There's an emotional need. And Jesus is the answer for every one of those needs. Can you say amen? So we were going to live on mission. It was be to our first neighbors. It must be to our community and our church and family. Third, third thing, it must also be to your enemies. In the first service, a lot of people said amen. This is a real church. I like, it's 11, this is 11 o'clock like, nah, man. Like, nah, we good? It's easy to say from a pulpit. But what about when that enemy is facing you in your face? Many times I've encountered our, our friends on the street. Man, they cursed me out one Monday. You know how many times I've been cursed out by them? Plenty of times. They said some real bad stuff to me. They come back the next day, you know what they tell me? Pastor, I'm sorry. You know what I tell them? I laid down my preference for God's purpose. Because you know what my preference would be, right? Get out of my face, sucker. No. <laughs> That's my preference. But if I'm going to live on mission... I pick up his purpose, and I say, my brother, come on in, man. Let me get you some food. Let me love and serve you. No matter what you have said to me, I want to show you the love of Jesus Christ. We must, we must be ready to love our enemies. People who may not, as you do to them, they may not do to you. It's a command. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, right? You have heard what it is said. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Doing unto others is activity, not passivity. In our homes, in our community, church, and for our enemies. Family, we live in a culture that is against Christianity. And not your version of Christianity, like true Christianity, right? Like, not our preference of Christianity, but what the Bible is saying. They're against Jesus. They're against the word. What should we do? We should do unto them. Because that's the mission. Can someone say amen? And I want to examine this last half, last, last half of the verse. Do unto others that, as what? As you would have them do unto you. Can I tell you this? That we must do unto others even if they don't do unto you. Even if. That's why when I, we go help somebody, we, we serve um, and we love them, even if they don't do back onto us. Why? Because the call of the mission is to reflect Christ. The call of the mission is to reflect Christ. Hear me when I tell you this, that we are not called to reflect temporary ideologies like current cultural movements, political affiliations, or sociological constructs. It's the gospel proclamation, it's the gospel demonstration that makes the difference. It's not a charitable action. It's gospel-infused living that makes the difference. Why? Because it's the gospel that has the power to save. Because this is the gospel that we were called to do unto others because someone did unto us when we didn't deserve it. 
And that positions us to be humble. It puts us to a place that even if I never see them again, my call is to love them. My call is to forgive them. My call is to do unto them as you would have them do unto you. And that, my, my dear friends, requires humility. If we're going to live on mission, we must understand that Dr. King said it like this. We may have arrived on many different ships, but we're all on the same boat now. You and I are on the same boat. There's nothing special about me. We're all on the same boat. And we must point people to Jesus from a posture of humility. Why? Philippians 2, 5, and 7 says, have this attitude in yourselves. There's a challenge to the church which is also in Christ Jesus, who as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he what? Emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. We don't serve to say, look at me, I serve. We don't serve to tell others what we have done. We serve with no strings attached. The key to the mission is to give, to love, it's to serve, not expecting anything in return. Fulfilling the mission is having a heart posture that says, I may never see you again, but I'm going to give you the best of who I am because I want you to see Jesus in me. Doing unto others is a consistent presence in our community. That supermarket that you frequent, and you see that same teller at the end, right? That, 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 that coffee shop that you frequent, that parent that you run into and, and your child is in the same sport, right? That PTA board that you're a part of. Can I tell you that they need to see someone who's on mission? They need to see someone who loves Jesus, they need to see someone who is humble and wants to point them to Jesus. Because as we demonstrate our love and commitment to our neighbors, God opportunities will rise when you least expect it. And if we embrace the mission, not just for right now, but for as soon as we get out of here, I want you to know God will use this church to impact community. Can you say amen? amen. Family, we do unto others simply because that is what Jesus did for us. See, this is the gospel, that we had nothing to offer God, yet he still did for us. This is the gospel, that we brought no goodness of our own into the equation, but God was good for us. And this, simply, um, and this simple and profound message is a reflection of who Jesus is. But what keeps us from the mission? The famous preacher Martin Lloyd, Martin Lloyd I messed this up in the first service too. Martin Lloyd Jones said this We are called to love our neighbors, but it's the one thing that we do not do because we love ourselves in a wrong way. If we are always thinking about ourselves, we will never transfer our thought or our love to others. Family, laying down our preference, picking up God's purpose, sounds a lot like to me this. 
denying ourselves, picking up our cross, and following him. If we're going to be people on mission, you're going to have to think of others above yourselves. Can you say amen? But we don't do a good job, right? Can we be honest? Our to-do list is too much, right? We're running from here to there, from practice to this. And many times we think the mission is gratifying or satisfying our to-do list. But our mission is gratifying and satisfying the mission of God that he has given us. Above our preferences for his purpose, for his honor, and for his glory. Can you say amen? So how in the world can we do this? If we can admit that we don't do a good job, man, but so how do we get better at this? How, how do we do this? Friends, the way that we do this is this. We remember the cross. We remember the cross. Why? Because it's our vertical relationship with our Father that has horizontal implications in our community. Here is the truth that no one has ever consistently done unto others as they would like to do unto themselves except this one man named Jesus. And it's the cross that reminds us of the mission to love when we're abandoned, to forgive when we're hurt, and to sacrifice for the sake of someone else. Jesus chooses the purpose of God over his preference by giving his life on the cross. And if we are going to fulfill the mission, we must first start with God. We cannot put this golden rule into practice without loving God first. It's our love for him that empowers us to live for him. And when we start with God, and we start with his love for us, it's not that the Bible tells us what. It's not that we know love. It's that God showed his love to us. When we remember the cross, it will put you in a position to fulfill the mission to love and serve. And family, the only way that you and I are dropping our preferences for God's purpose is if we remember what God did for us on the cross of Calvary. The cross is a shining hope of the world. It's what pushes us. It's what reminds us that Jesus left his preference in heaven to pick up his purpose on earth. That he would give his life so that you and I would not inherit death but life. And you are the answer the community needs. You are the answer to someone's prayer. But if we're busy being busy, we cannot fulfill the mission of God. Mission is a value for the church, but it's embedded in the heart of the Christian. And on this Pentecost Sunday, the only way that we are going to fulfill the mission is that the Spirit fills us again empowers us to fulfill this mission. And Jesus empties himself, and we must empty ourselves so the, the spirit of the living God would fill us to, to what? So that empower us to do the mission. In Acts chapter 2, they did not just speak different languages, but they were sent out on mission to the community. Family were called to love and serve every community 
every culture and every corner. That that spirit and power living will be demonstrated everywhere we go. If we're going to be a church and individuals on mission, we must become a necessity to our community. Let me ask you this question that I don't want you to respond to. If you were to move out of your neighborhood, would people celebrate it or grieve it? Would they be so happy that you're gone? Or would they will grieve that you're living? As a church, and we have to ask ourselves this in Huntington Assembly, as a church, if our church closed down, would the community even care? Or would there be riots in the street because of how we live on mission for those outside the four walls? This is why he says in verse 13 and 14, this is the narrow gate. This is the narrow gate. The broad gate is to walk into your homes and live your life, not speak to no one. Come to church, check off religious obligation, and say, I'm good. But the narrow gate is to leave your preferences under your feet. To pick up God's purpose wherever it is, wherever he sends you, to fulfill his mission for his honor and for his glory. But the small, but small is the gate. Narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. May we, may Trinity, be a place that people walk the narrow gate to fulfill the mission even when it hurts. Even when we've been hurt. To fulfill the mission even when we're busy. To let go of our preferences. If we're going to be a church on mission, we must be willing to let go of ourselves and trust God's command for the sake of others. Family, if you forget everything I told you, remember this. Fulfilling the mission is responding to the mission that was already fulfilled for us. Doing unto others is our response to what God has done for us. This is the message of the gospel. Unless we have encountered the transformative work of, God, of, of Christ in our lives, we won't be able to finish this mission. Family, we're not a charity organization. There's plenty of 501c3s doing a lot of really good work. We're not a charity organization. We're a transformative organization. And we are not the transformers. Jesus is. At our church, we give out tons of food. We, we meet the physical needs of our community, but if we stopped there, we would fail to do the mission. The mission is to seek and to save the least, the last, and the lost. And we can't walk by them anymore. We can't ignore them. Because the mission calls us and propels us to love and serve. Why? Because we realize that Jesus gave it all for us. That while we were yet sinners, he died for us.
And the, one of the greatest accusations of Jesus was that he loved sinners. I pray that that will be the greatest accusation of Trinity Church. That you and I, that we love sinners. That we're leading them to renewal, both socially and spiritually. Can someone say amen? Because the bottom line is this. That you and I, we're just beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. That's the mission. Do unto others even if they don't do unto you. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that puts us in the place of vulnerability. It's going to put us in the place where we're going to get hurt. But it's okay. Because he who is with you is greater than he who is against you. And I want to be a person on mission. We want to be a church on mission. So I want to ask you some reflection questions. Would you stand to your feet with me as I ask you these questions today? Starting today, what area in my life can I do unto others? What spaces and places are being made available to me by God to do unto others? Another question for reflection is this. How can I serve someone who will never serve me? How can I give without expecting something in return? Final question for reflection is this. Where can I be light in darkness? And would this be our prayer every morning? Hey God, wherever you're sending me, wherever I'm going, would you send me on mission? And would you give me the courage by your spirit to drop my preferences for your purpose? The answer to these questions for each and every one of us may look very, very different. But the location of these places and the answers are exact for everyone. You know where that is? Outside of these four walls. And I pray that the mission of God would be fulfilled in your family and in your life so that you would be on mission everywhere you go. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? And maybe today you're, you're in a place where your mission focus is, is children, your mission focus is to-do list, or maybe you're in a place of struggle where you feel like, I, I, I've been hurt too much, I've been down too much. How can I be on mission? Can I tell you that God uses broken people all the time to fulfill his mission? You're not too broken to be used by God. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I want to ask you today, if you just, if you're here and you say, Pastor, would you, would you pray for me that I will have the strength to live on mission in my home, community, church, and with my enemies? I need to live on mission. I haven't been doing it. 
And I, I, I want to, I just don't want this to be a good church saying. I want it to be my attitude and my character. And if that's you today, I'm going to challenge you just to raise your hand and say, that's me. I, I help me. I want, I want a prayer to live on mission. Right there where you are. I need, I need to live on mission. I, I need to do a better job at my home. I need to do a better job. Family, you're only doing a better job by being depending on the Spirit. If that's you, we want to pray for you. And we want to pray this prayer. Would you repeat after me? Father, would you help me live on mission? Would you help me, empower me to lay down my preference for your purpose because it's about you not me heal me help me and send me I'm available I'm here to live your mission to fulfill your purpose in Jesus name let me pray for you Father God today we ask you O oh Lord that we will be a church that says, here I am, send me. That we would be a church that says, I am available. That we will be a church that cries out from the rooftops. Father, I want to live for you. I want to honor you in every sphere of my life, oh God. Lord, forgive us. We repent today when it's been all about us, oh God. And so today, Father God, we, we surrender our hearts. We surrender our lives. And we say, Lord, would you use us for your honor, for your glory? Would you put us on mission, oh God, everywhere we go, that we would remember that you are a God of mission. And that what you did for us demands a response. And our response is to love and to serve. That you loved and served us when we didn't deserve it and we couldn't earn it. So Holy Spirit, would you fill us again, oh God? That we would encounter you again and again and again. That we might shout, Lord, here I am. I am available. In your name we pray. And the church says, amen.